We're in a season called Lent that prepares us for the death and the resurrection of Jesus on Easter, which is actually next week. So today we're wrapping up this series where we have looked at some of the lessons that we can learn from Jesus and his followers in this time leading up to his death on the cross, which is his ultimate sacrifice for the world. And last Sunday we saw how Jesus would address the Will and Chris Oscar controversy, or really any controversy, where sides have sort of been chosen. And Jesus stands with the oppressed and he offers salvation to the oppressor. And we saw this through two back-to-back -back interactions Jesus had with a blind beggar and then a chief tax collector named Zacchaeus. And Jesus approached them based on what they needed. And the blind beggar needed healing and Zacchaeus needed a savior, with really both of them being offered what they didn't deserve, which was grace. Uh, which sort of led us also to ask the question, what do you need most from Jesus today? Do you need grace or rest or peace or maybe healing? Because sometimes we're, we are the oppressed and sometimes we are the oppressors. Sometimes we are wronged and sometimes we are wrong. Sometimes we are the victim and sometimes we victimize others. Sometimes we are hurt and damaged by unjust systems and sometimes we benefit from unjust systems. Either way, and really everywhere in between, Jesus stands with the oppressed and offers salvation to the oppressor. If you want to catch up on any of the messages from this series, head over to our YouTube channel. Uh, today, though, we're going to wrap up this series uh, learning a lesson that's not directly from Jesus, but actually from one of his followers. And this Jesus follower experienced at least two moments of deconstruction. Uh, the first deconstruction moment came towards the beginning of following Jesus, while the second deconstruction moment came a few days after Palm Sunday during this Holy Week. The Jesus follower that we will look at today is Peter. Uh, more on him in a few moments. But first, what is deconstruction when it comes to faith? Because deconstruction can mean different things to different people in different arenas of life. However, when it comes to faith, generally, Deconstruction includes questions, doubts, problems, and wandering. Deconstruction can lead to unfollowing Jesus. However, it doesn't have to. For the sake of our discussion today, the definition that I came up with, uh, including aspects from various resources, the definition of deconstruction is the process of examining the faith system you previously held. And this process can stop at examining, but it also can continue to include dismantling and then reconstructing. Uh, the dismantling part can look quite different for different people. And this process can come from spiritual questions that, that someone never fully addressed or found significant answers or sufficient answers to. And then eventually, the questions just sort of bubble over. Uh, deconstruction can take various forms, but here are four common categories. Now, however, just like people don't nicely fit into categories, some people may experience several of these deconstruction categories or sort of a blend of them. Number one, navigating a crisis experience. Author Sarah Bessie describes facing deconstruction after experiencing a miscarriage. She says this, I think the thicket of questions, doubts, problems, and wandering were all well and fine until I actually started experiencing grief on a really personal level. Another category that has become prominent for those facing deconstruction, number two, identifying harmful cultural influences that distort the gospel. This category spans everything that culture includes, politics, economics, international relations, families, and on and on, right? This category can also be people struggling with how religious institutions have failed with affairs, abuse of power, sex abuse scandals, covering up wrongdoing, lack of care for marginalized people, and so much more. 
And then number three, questioning traditional doctrines. Uh, this can be the category that makes some in the church feel quite nervous when others are examining or dismantling a tradition or a doctrine that has been held for any length of time. Uh, one last category for people facing deconstruction is number four, departing the Christian faith altogether. Now, this is the most extreme deconstruction that likely never included building back a version of faith. And because of that, this is also the most devastating category of deconstruction. For people in any of these categories, though, it's important for us on the outside to remember that someone going through a deconstruction process is usually in significant pain. In the words of, in the words of Francis Schaeffer, who endured what we might call deconstruction of his faith, Schaefer said it can feel like being torn to pieces. Uh, Russell Moore also says this, Sometimes the people we think are deconstructing are just grieving and asking God where he is at at a moment like this. Uh, some sociologists estimate that 43% of people go through a major faith transition in their lifetime. And with that in mind, we think the church should be the safest gathering of people for any person on any topic, including people with doubts and questions about faith, as well as people in a deconstruction process. Because as we have said before, God isn't afraid of any of our questions. The deconstruction looks different in different seasons of life as well. Uh, kid to teenager, teenager into college, college into young adult, uh, young adult into dating uh, and relationships, marriage into having kids, uh, your kids becoming teenagers, and then the whole idea of grandkids. A deconstruction looks different in different circumstances as well. Healthy or having health issues or financial growth or struggle, uh, career advancement or uncertainty. Uh, family's good or there's drama, right? Uh, some people start the process of deconstruction when they are faced with doubts, questions, trials, and wondering, and they realize that their system of beliefs is no longer adequate for that place in their life. And this is a very important point, that that doesn't mean that there isn't an adequate system of beliefs to base your life on. It just means that your beliefs likely need to grow and develop. And one of the best ways I've heard this described is similar to how we talk to kids about where babies come from. If a preschooler asks you that question, you sort of adjust your answer to the age and maturity of the kid. And when a teenager asks you that question, again, you sort of, your answer is sort of adjusted further according to their age and the maturity of the teenager. Uh, more details, maybe new scientific terminology might be added, and on and on, right? And the same is true of our faith, which is at least as complex as where babies come from, that God isn't necessarily holding out on us, but rather our maturity, our development, our capacity dictate how much and which aspects of faith we are ready for. And then throughout our faith journey, there will be seasons of deconstructing ways of understanding God and relating to Him. And that is just on God's side of the equation. And then there's that whole life thing and experiences that also greatly impact the faith that we have. And while deconstruction has become a trendy spiritual buzzword, it is not a new idea. Father Richard Rohr says, you can go back the first 1300 years of Christianity and faith is defined as a combination of knowing and not knowing, of a willingness and readiness by the grace of God to live with a certain degree of unknowing or what the mystics call darkness. Now with that out of the picture and people getting the impression that they have a right to perfect certitude and perfect clarity and perfect order every step of the way, you've basically, I'm going to say it strongly, you've basically destroyed the biblical idea of faith to begin with. So how does deconstruction relate to this season of Lent? Well, today we're going to look at two deconstruction moments in Peter's life and how he responded differently to each of them, with the second one happening just a few days after Palm Sunday. If we could ask Peter, this second one, 
might be one of his saddest moments in following Jesus. Uh, not necessarily because of his doubts, but because he previously asked an amazing question that helped him through the first deconstruction moment, but for some reason he forgot it during the second moment. Uh, Peter gives us this question when he faces doubts, and it's a question that at some point in your life will probably be extraordinarily helpful. In fact, the younger you are, the more important this question is, because in everyone's journey of following Jesus, we will all face at least doubts or maybe questions, and maybe most of us will face some form of deconstruction of our faith. Sort of that process of examining the faith system that we previously held and possibly sort of dismantling it and reconstructing parts of it. Uh, maybe you're going through some deconstruction of your faith or your faith that you grew up with. Uh, maybe before you sort of deconstruct the whole thing and unfollow Jesus, you should ask this question that Peter asks. Uh, maybe you're navigating a crisis, 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 crisis experience and nothing else, if nothing else, COVID could qualify as that experience, right? And as you're navigating that, you should ask this question as well. Uh, maybe you're identifying the harmful cultural influences that distort the gospel. Maybe it's within the church or outside the church. You should also ask this question. Because if you don't, you could become, it could become easy for you to become a cynic. Uh, maybe you're questioning traditional doctrines of faith, and, and as you're questioning and examining those traditions and doctrines, you should also ask this question that Peter asks. We're going to start reading in John chapter 6. You can follow on the Bible app. If you don't have the Bible app, head to bible.com app. Once you're in the app, head to the More menu option in the bottom right corner, select events, and you can find our church. We'll also have the notes and verses on the screen as well. Uh, this question comes from a situation that, that might feel very similar to what you have felt in following Jesus. Uh, Jesus says some difficult things that are hard to understand and accept. And you might even wonder, what is Jesus trying to teach you? Well, John records it this way in John chapter 6, verse 53. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. Like, what? Like, Jesus said that just as he fed the crowd by giving them bread, like literal bread, God can actually give them something to fill their soul, their spirit forever. That Jesus sort of connects himself to God and to this living bread. And to be honest, Jesus continues on as the sermon seems to get weirder and weirder and weirder. Verse 54, But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true fruit, food, and my blood is true drink. Like, Jesus, I'm not sure that's how you really get eternal life. Like, Jesus is like real food? Like, is this just like cannibalism? Verse 60, many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Like, like who can embrace this? Who can go along with this? Who wants to even be associated with this? And in this moment, the crowd sort of starts to distance themselves from Jesus a little bit. Verse 61, Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining so he said to them, does this offend you? Does this cause problems? Does this cause problems for you? Does this trip you up? Does this make you wonder? Is this too heavy? Is this too difficult? Is this too much? Verse 66, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. And this was sort of a transition point in Jesus' ministry. That these disciples, they aren't the closest 12 disciples, but rather sort of part of the larger crowd that has been following him from city to city and around the region. And those disciples from the larger crowd, they stopped following him. It was as if they sort of hit the unfollow button on social media. They liked the miracles, being fed, being healed, loved the excitement around Jesus, loved the idea of him getting rid of the Romans and, and becoming a kingdom again. But this teaching, 
I think this is too much, like it's too difficult, too many questions, and too strange for us to believe, Jesus. We are unfollowing you. And then Jesus, who knows the hearts of people, who knows what people are thinking, even before they would vocalize it, Jesus pauses to ask, pauses to ask his 12 closest disciples this. And then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you also going to leave? You're not thinking about going with the rest of those people, are you? Like, you're not going to unfollow me as well. You're not going to become an unfollower, are you? And these disciples probably knew not to lie to Jesus by this point because he knows your heart. He just addressed what they were thinking or feeling before they even addressed it to him. And this wasn't the only time because this is actually something that happened quite a bit where, where people would have a question that Jesus would answer before they even asked the question. And so when you're sitting in front of Jesus, you don't lie because he knows your heart. Uh, maybe they were listening to Jesus and, and watching the crowd, and, and so they sort of began to question, like, if they should unfollow Jesus too. Uh, maybe I should just sort of take a step back while no one seems to be watching, and then take another step back, and all of a sudden just disappear. And this can be such a relevant thing for you and for me, isn't it? Because no matter how long you've been following Jesus, the day is going to come when you are going to consider deconstructing and examining some of your faith in Jesus. Uh, continue on verse 67. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, are you also going to leave? And now Peter, who didn't often say or do the right thing, uh, Peter says a brilliant thing here. He asks a question that is so important that I hope it will stick in your memory and in your heart. Uh, the next time that you're in a transition or you're sort of wondering if go you're going to follow Jesus through that transition. The next time that you identify harmful cultural influences. The next time you question the faith system you held previously. The next time things are not going well and you're sort of tempted to doubt and abandon your faith. If you would ask this question, it could help clarify things for you. Verse 68, Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? Uh, Jesus asked them if they wanted to go, uh, and we don't really know exactly what Peter was thinking, but maybe he was thinking like, yeah, I do want to go also, but Jesus, to whom would we go? Uh, Peter realized something that many people don't realize until later, that if you deconstruct your faith, then you will construct something else. That Peter recognizes that if he backs away from Jesus, he would inadvertently back into following something or someone else. That if I choose to say no to Jesus, I'm actually saying yes to something or someone else. It's almost as if Peter is saying he has considered all the options. And while yes, this is uncomfortable, and yes, I have thought about leaving, no, I don't know if it's going to turn out better for me. And yes, I wish this situation was a bit different. But to whom would we go? And there's going to be a moment when something inside of you wants to walk away. And Peter asks a question that you should ask in those moments as well. To whom would we go? That you need to consider the options because if you decide to unfollow Jesus, you are choosing to follow someone or something else. And you need to think about that before you completely walk away from Jesus. Verse 68, Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. And so Peter has this amazing moment of clarity and he's able to remember and realize that Jesus is offering something to him and to them that no one else is giving. And he's maybe looking sort of back on his discoveries all along the way that he really did believe that Jesus was sent from God. And he came to realize 
that over time and really through his experience with Jesus. And so we should ask this question in the seasons of doubt, uncertainty, transition, trials, and deconstruction. If not Jesus, then who? To whom would I go? And so that's the first deconstruction moment for Peter. But unfortunately, another deconstruction moment comes for Peter at the end of Jesus' life on earth. And John records us, John records that for us after Palm Sunday and during Holy Week, sort of that week leading up to Jesus' death on the cross, that when Jesus was being put on trial before the religious leaders and the Roman leaders, John 18, verse 15, Simon Peter followed Jesus, as did another of the disciples. That other disciple was acquainted with the high priest, and so he was allowed to enter the high priest's courtyard with Jesus. Peter had to stay on the outside of the gate. And then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to the woman watching the gate, and she let Peter in. The woman asked Peter, you're not one of the, that man's disciples, are you? Now, we don't exactly know who this woman is, but the word means sort of servant girl or young girl or, or someone who's in charge of the door. Uh, but Peter is either scared of this girl or he's scared of who she could tell. And so he says, no, I am not. Now, whatever the reason, Peter decides to dismantle his faith in Jesus, likely because of the potential consequences for being connected to Jesus. Verse 18, because it was cold, the household servants and the guards had made a charcoal fire. Uh, meanwhile, as Simon Peter was standing by the fire, warming himself, they asked him again, you're not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, no, I am not. And these people are basically asked, like, Peter, are you still following Jesus? Which is actually like sort of the reverse of Jesus' earlier question to his disciples, are you going to leave too? Verse 26, but one of the household slaves of the high priest the relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? Again, Peter denied it. So if you're like me, you sort of ask like, so what changed between these, between these two deconstruction moments? Why was Peter able to continue to follow Jesus when the crowd was leaving? But then in this situation, he unfollowed Jesus. Like what changed between them? And what can we learn from Peter's moments of deconstruction? Well, number one, doubts and questions can come from transitions. Uh, these moments were definitely transitions for Peter. And in this last instance, Peter would never again follow Jesus the same way he had the previous three years. That doubts, questions, and deconstruction can come during times of transition. Uh, going from middle school to high school, high school to college, from college to that first job, from that job with one company to a different company, from a job in one city to another city, uh, moving to environments where people around you just don't care about Jesus or take him seriously. And suddenly you're around people who don't, you don't know, who don't believe what you believe, and who value different things than you do. And in those times of transitions, you might notice opportunities to deconstruct or, or maybe distance yourself from your faith. That people don't usually stop following Jesus because they don't think it's true anymore. That doesn't typically happen, but it does, it does sometimes happen. It's just really rare. People usually quit following Jesus because it's too hard, because you've sort of been hurt by the church or other Jesus followers, because it's inconvenient, because sometimes your faith just sort of seems to get in the way of what you want to do. And then number two, doubts and questions are normal and can be healthy. Uh, Father Richard Orr says this, you don't move to the next level of faith without going through a necessary period of darkness. When you've never had that in your background, and it's all about building this coherent, consistent system where you actually love your understanding of faith, this is not the love of God anymore. This is an idol called 
certitude. Uh, one of the primary purposes of Jesus' time on earth was to develop and grow the faith of those following him. And God can do that through your doubts and your questions. That God can lead you to a stronger and more robust faith, including through any deconstruction process. Which leads us to number three, doubts and questions are part of the deconstruction and reconstruction process. For Peter, both of these deconstruction moments also led to reconstruction moments as well. In the first instance, he asked the powerfully clarifying question, to whom would I go? That God can build our faith through our difficult experiences, the challenging seasons, our faith analysis, and our spiritual dismantling. Because Jesus welcomes our doubts, questions, and deconstruction. So as we wrap up this message, I want to address those of you who may be going through some part of the deconstruction process right now, as well as those of you who are watching someone go through that process. Uh, first, for those of you who are going through deconstruction right now, or maybe you've already gone through that, or maybe you might see that coming in the near future. We are invited into God's grand story, and as a part of God's creation, you are invited to something so much bigger and more glorious than just your life. That, that my glory and your glory are not worth living for. And this grand story started with God creating life and was sort of highlighted with Jesus dying for all the sins of, of all the humans. And you've been invited to follow that Savior of the world. And if you're sort of analyzing and considering your faith system, you owe it to yourself to ask Peter's question. To whom would I go? Who are you going to follow if you don't follow Jesus? What are you going to do if you don't do that? Do you really think that there is something so satisfying with life that you would look back and think you were glad that you quit following Jesus, the Savior of the world? To whom would I go? This question can help us avoid a season in our life that we wish we could go back and relive. This is the question that can help you or allow you to avoid unnecessary regret. And this is the question that if we pause and ask it, this question can bring amazing clarity to our decisions. That you owe it to yourself to answer this question. And I invite you to repeat this question with me right now. To whom would I go? Now second, for those of you who are sort of watching someone else go through a deconstruction process, how should you approach them? Because unfortunately, many Jesus followers who are sort of deconstructing their faith have even more to deconstruct because their churches and their faith leaders told them they couldn't process their doubts or their questions. Now, they took an approach that sort of pushed those people further away. So these tips that I'm going to share right now are nothing new, and really it's really how we should approach everyone, including people in the deconstruction process. Tip number one, listen well. Now this doesn't sound spiritual until you are the one talking about spiritual things only to have the other person you're talking to not listen to you. And then it becomes obvious how that's spiritual, right? Uh, number two, ask clarifying questions. Uh, just like that first tip, doing these things would help in about every situation of life, but particularly the situations where you are watching someone you love, your son, your daughter, your mother, your father, uh, friend, cousin, grandchild. You're watching them go through the deconstruction process. And then number three, press in carefully and lovingly. Now this one specifically represents how our Savior Jesus approached those of us far from Him. That Jesus welcomes our doubts, our questions, and our deconstruction. And so we should as well. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for stories of real-life people who followed you, 
Thank you for Peter, who, who's such an interesting example. He, he's got such a powerful example in some of the things that he does and his faith and the things that he says. And yet we also see so many of the times that he sort of messed up and lost faith in you and didn't have faith in you. And it helps us to sort of relate to, to following you, relate to him following you. And God, we don't get it all right, and we really can't get it right without you. And so God, as we think about our faith, and as we sort of maybe, some of us have gone through that deconstruction process or are going through it now, would you help us to ask this powerful question that Peter asked? To whom would we go? To help us to give a perspective of who are we going to follow if we're not going to follow you? And God, for those who are wrestling so much with their faith and don't know what to believe and are struggling so much, God, in some way, would your grace and mercy help them to see you in a fresh and a new way that you're there for them and that you love them. And God, for those of us who are watching somebody go through that process, and it's so hard to know what to do and how to speak to them and address them, would you help us to have the wisdom to know what to do and what to say and when to not say anything and when to just listen? God, would you help us? No matter where we are in this process, whether we're sort of deconstructing, maybe we're reconstructing, maybe we're just constructing for the first time, would you help us to know that ultimately you are the one doing this, that you're the one that's working behind the scenes in our faith. Would you help us to have faith in you? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.